If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Manu Joes. Manu's always been involved with horses and has competed in Belgium, the Netherlands and Australia. She started off as a show jumper and used dressage to improve her jumping, but she became passionate about dressage and she's competed up to Grand Prix. How are you, Manu? Yes, good, thank you. Good. Manu, a favourite quote, if you've got one for us? When I talked to you about it earlier, you sort of had a bit of a smile, so I think it must be one that you obviously resonate with. Yes, absolutely. It's been with me all my life. Mm -hmm. And basically, it is happier those who are willing to pay the price to make their dreams come true. The reason be is that we all have dreams, but very often we just don't have the courage to keep going with the failure and all that's involved in following your dreams to actually make them come true. So that I think that quote is a, is a very good quote for me. Mm. And is that one that someone told you or it's just one you read somewhere? How did you find out about it? I think it's, it, look, it's a quote. It's definitely a quote I read somewhere and it resonated with me straight away because um, I had lots and lots of dreams and um, and um, it just made me realize that, um, you know, the, the, that there is a price to pay to achieve your dreams. It's not something that just falls off the sky and comes to you. It's hard work and you lose faith and you've got to, you've got to keep the direction and, and never lose faith in, in your dreams. So, yes. um, yeah, that, that's, that's what it's all about, really. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. That's good. Manu, you've been riding a long time and, and across, you know, the horses have sort of followed you across a few different countries. But do you have an early memory of maybe the first time you rode or something that happened when you were quite young? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I always loved horses uh, when I was a child, always a bit obsessed with horses, but my family was absolutely not into riding. And um, yeah, we, we, we were a family of five. And so there was not really a, a lot of opportunity for me to go and ride until we went on holiday with my family. And there was a little riding school and uh, my dad offered to um, to pay me a lesson and the smell of the horse just stayed with me forever. I just mm. felt like I was home when I was on the horse. So that, that was just a wonderful feeling and it never left me. And the smell's quite unique, isn't it? And it's only horse people that understand that smell. You know, this is, there is a yeah. particular smell, it's sweat and the manure and the everything else, but it's a particular smell, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, like you said, you know, every horse person knows about the smell and we all kind of addicted to it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it takes you and never leaves you. <laughs> mm -hmm. What about having a career with horses? Were, you going to have, were your family behind you having a career? Did you do another career first? What happened there? 
Okay, so, um, yeah, no, absolutely no uh, family support. I, I, my first um, thought about wanting to make my life with horses was I was probably about 12, 13, and I kept begging my mum uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to become a horse, um, a, a horse person. And my mum was unfortunately a widow with five kids. So horses were really not on the agenda financially for us. Yes. And she thought as being, uh, you know, a mother of five kids with no father, that um, horse riding was not a serious job and so she really sidetracked me from it as much as she could um i had to finish school i had to go to uni and of course all that never really worked out for me because in the back of my mind what i really wanted to do was working with horses so i was doing that on the side but i wasn't properly uh in the horse industry full time until i moved to australia Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay okay you're obviously enjoying it now. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry and working with horses? I would say working with horses, for me, the best is, is they are the best, the best teacher of your personality. Um, they challenge you in a lot of ways. And my motto is that horses are the legs and I'm the brain. So if there is a problem, it obviously is coming from me. Uh, in com- if there is a problem with communication or misbehaving or things like that, I, I always question my writing. Um, so I, I find that a pas- uh, uh, very, very exciting uh, and, and very difficult role to follow because you never stop learning. Every day the horse will throw something else at you that makes you have to go in your magic bag and find the answer of the problem. Yes. And, um, and, and, and I find that, yeah, literally it's my meditation. It's, my, it, it's a very big part of my well-being. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then I think most horse people will relate to that. I think the feeling you get when you ride mm. and the communication with with an animal really is a bit of a drug. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I think we're all a bit hooked to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think for people who are starting off in the industry? What sort of core skills or character traits do you think they need? I think um, what's very important is to find, uh, obviously, good guidance uh, because, you know, uh, horse, horse uh, in general, uh, for a lot of reasons, um, need a lot of care. And, uh, and I think finding the right person that teaches you and makes you understand, it is very hard work and everybody knows that. Uh, there is no other way around it. I don't know anyone that works in the horse industry that doesn't work really, really hard. Um, so you've got to be prepared to do that. Um, it's, it becomes a lot harder for a lot of people when they start having a family. You're always gone. You've gone teaching. You've gone to a show. Um, so it, it, it is a, a, a very big price to pay but I think we are unstoppable that's what we want to do but you have to have that strong passion about it because um, you will go uh, to a lot of people some will bully you some will use you um, you know it's the, the horse industry is like the world in general you have to find a way to make your way through uh, without too much damage you you will face a lot of um 
uh, of difficulty. And um, it's always finding the person that that is right to you and um, and teaches you and, and gives time to you. And that sometimes can be very difficult in the horse industry uh, because I think a lot of people, uh, they use the fact that people are passionate about horse to underpay them, to abuse in hours they work, probably also because they are working really hard. Uh, and, and so they expect that from the people that work from them, for them. And in that, in that sense, you've got to have a lot of energy and, um, and uh, yeah, be able to do a lot of hard work. Yep, yep. And it is. It's hard. It's not just a standard um, employee. You've got to find the right employer for the right person too. You know, the person's got to find the right employer. The employer's got to find the right person. Yeah, and, and that's for every area of life. Yeah. Uh, I think when you're looking for a direction, you might have to go through many people. Uh, it can be in any line of work before you find the one that actually gives you the guidance you were looking for and um, yeah, and help you to nurture your gift mm-hmm. uh, because you have something to give. If you put yourself in the horse industry, that's because you want to give back something. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the, the, the people that are around you when you start are very important for sure so I would advise strongly to change if you don't feel happy or if you feel abused and used Um, there is many many horse people of all type of um, uh, area and you've got to find the one that suits you and and like you said your employers needs to get on with you too that's very important yeah yeah Manu, who's helped you in your horse career? Have you got people that you'd like to mention? Um, yes, look, I mean, I won't mention the one that, that I met uh, when I started overseas because, um, you know, they, they're not known here. And um, But there have been many important people. My first riding instructor was a fantastic woman, uh, and she certainly um, helped me to to nurture my passion. And um, then when I started doing dressage more seriously, I moved back from the Netherlands to Belgium. And there was a person giving lessons at the riding school where I kept my horse. And I was listening to his listen, listening to his lessons every time because I, I found my God. <laughs> that was what I wanted to <laughs> But yeah. I couldn't afford the lesson because okay. um, he was he was quite expensive. And after watching him for weeks and weeks and weeks, I finally got the courage to approach him and say, "Look, I'm financially I'm I'm not very well off, but I love what I hear from you. And would it be possible instead of taking an hour lesson to just have half an hour?" And he agreed on that, and that was the start of a long relationship because when I moved to Australia, he asked me to come and see the country and see the people here and the riding here. And basically, he's now living here, married in Australia and uh, teaching and coaching in Australia. So who was that, man? Carlos de oh, Marca. Yes. yes. Yep. I'm the one that brought him here and he's <laughs> um yeah, he's he's definitely a very, very uh, knowledgeable person. Yeah. But it's also the way he teaches, the patience that he takes to explain to you. The thing with dressage, it's mainly based on feelings. There is no way to really explain feelings, you would think so. 
he finds the way to explain the feelings. And that is, for me, a skill that I got from him and, to me, is essential because when you teach, you very often have a lot of years of feelings building your feet behind you. And when you teach, you expect people to be able to feel like you. But that's not the case. So you've got to wind yourself back to when you started and when you sat on the horse and your instructor was saying this and that and you would like, I have no idea what, what I'm supposed to feel, how it's supposed to feel like, and um, and be able to put yourself in your pupil uh, skin for a minute and find your way back to when you were in that spot and be able to explain how to look and yeah, how to look for your feelings, how to start building your feelings. Because it's a very intricate thing with dressage and some people are super talented and naturally have a feel. But I would say that 80%, maybe 90% of people just have to work really, really hard. And um, and years and years of training, and then you start building up your feelings. You get better at it, and you start to understand what dressage is really about. I think you've got a certain idea when you start, but when you start discovering what it really is, it, that's when it becomes totally magical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manu, what about horses? If you've got a horse that you think has influenced your career, you talked earlier about a, a show jumper and you use the dressage to improve the jumping. Do you want to talk about that horse, or is it another horse that you think yeah, is sure. more so, influence? So that, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was my first horse. She was called Ursula. She was a mare. I bought her from my uh, first boyfriend, because when we split, I just could split with the boyfriend, but couldn't leave the horse. <laughs> so begged begged my mum uh, to death to uh, buy the horse, which he did, which was unbelievable because we were really not well off. Um, But I had to pay for everything. So I started working, cleaning stables, getting horses ready at the riding school, riding difficult horses, doing jobs to be able to afford her. But she was very difficult. And I was very inexperienced, you know, to be honest. Difficult horse needs experienced rider. And this difficult horse got a pretty much a beginner rider that didn't really know, but had a lot of will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mares have a lot of will too. And so when I moved to the Netherlands with her, the place where I ended up was mainly dressage. And I was doing, still doing jumping then. And I was having lessons for my flat work. And the lady was amazing and really... I started to understand the concept of training. You know, you don't just go on a fence and make the horse jump. There is a lot of things involved that that needs to apply before you can go and jump that fence, which you do as a kid. You just go and jump the fence. But when you start to be a bit more serious, you realize that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of training to get a horse to jump properly. And like I said, that horse was very difficult. So I enjoy, at the end, I found more harmony riding dressage and started at the lower level in the Netherlands and in two years' time was doing advanced. So that was very exciting. We had a great team at the riding school. We would go and compete all together. So it was a very good atmosphere. 
and then went back to Belgium and competed a bit in Belgium and moved with the horse to Australia. She finished her life here. She died at uh, 34, Mm -hmm. had a good life, had two babies here. Um, But yeah, I had other horses after her, obviously. Yeah, yeah. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Um, Probably the fact that I kept going with all the adversity that life threw at me. Mm -hmm. I just always kept the horses, kept riding, uh, even with the hardship financially and emotionally. I I always um, just kind of kept going with it. And I'm proud of that now because I think it gave me a a really good balance in life. I always say to people, horse are in a way your best friend and your worst enemy. And I think any horse person will understand what I mean when I say that. Is It's a passion that is very hard to share with others because of the work involved with horses and the money involved. Husbands, kids, they don't get it. You know, it's the hours you spend cleaning, picking up poo and my son always says, I can't believe how much they poo. <laughs> you know, I think the, the, the work that's involved throws people that are not horse people totally aside. They just go, oh, this is crazy. Mm. Um, so probably lost my marriage uh, because of the horses or, sure. you know, I don't think it was because of the horse, but it certainly didn't help mm. uh, that uh, I was working in the horse industry because I was very busy. The clients are you know, um, very involved in your life. That's um, that's the way it is. It's part of the game. Because you look after the animals and you are you, you have a very close relationship with your client. First of all, you see them a lot. Uh, they come, they watch you train the horse or they train, uh, they ride and you train them. Uh, so it becomes a very close relationship. Um, that That's sometimes end uh you know that that's that's what life is about people mm. come and go but yeah you always have quite a, a a close relationship with your clients so sometimes it can become a bit tricky in your private life definitely yep yep if you had to think of one you know because i know you've had quite a few challenges if you had to think of one individual challenge what would you say that is Look, basically, being financially, um, you know, limited mm-hmm. in the horse industry is, is a big challenge because horses, unfortunately, they're beautiful animals, but they are very fragile. So I have trained two horses to Grand Prix from nothing above them. Uh, the first one just broken in. The second one that I still have, I broke in myself and trained them all the way to Grand Prix. My first Grand Prix horse, I had to put him down at 13 because he had a real problem with his stifle, had a surgery, but never never got any better. Uh, It was getting worse, and there was no way I was going to let him suffer. So that was a big blow. That was right after my divorce on top of it. So Mm -hmm. that was huge. That's when I really thought, this is it. I'm giving up. Yes. But I still had the other one that I was training, and this is a very special horse to me. Um, I call him my Ferrari. Mm-hmm. He's a very tricky horse to ride, but he, the feeling he gives you are totally amazing. So, uh, but again, 
you know, soundness becomes an issue, horses get older, um, and they cost a lot of money to maintain uh, the veterinary cost, the farrier, the, all the supplement you start giving them for their joint, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, 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 but at the same time, even though they are the biggest challenge to me, they also have been my good lesson of finding my spot in the horse industry, meaning the big dreams of being the super competitor and winning Olympic medals and all that are, are gone a, a, a long time ago because financially you've got to be able to replace every time a horse breaks down or have a lot of clients. My, the fact that I had to move house and find a rental place where I could do my job, it became harder and harder. But I kept uh, the other horse and I still have him and I would never sell him. He's, he's part of my life. I bought another young one that is now five years old and um so on its way to training. But I also have uh, accepted that my good things out of dressage are more personal now. They're not so much on a, uh, I don't need to be a superstar. I don't need people to, you know, talk about me. Or You know, when you're younger, you have all these aspirations. You want to be in the magazine. You want to go and ride overseas. You want to rep represent your country. I'm not saying I didn't want that. I did want that, but life show me challenge that didn't make me able to achieve that. But now I look at it and I really appreciate riding by myself, not even competing. I still compete, but very little because I enjoy so much the trueness of the training. So the will to compete is not as much there because I feel like I'm never good enough, not ready enough, but not in a negative way, in a, in a good way, because I feel like I'm matured in my riding immensely, and I feel that I'm a much better rider now than I was, and I still learn, and that's what's so fantastic about it. Every horse throws you a new challenge, new question that you have to answer, and forces you to go and find every little bit of you that can find the answer, and that's what's so amazing about it. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Every horse does throw you their own unique challenges, don't they? Like yeah. like people, yeah. they have their personality, they have their weakness, their strength. Uh, one might be a bit stronger, the other one a bit weaker, the other one a bit stiff. You know, they all have like humans. But what is important to remember, you can make an average horse a lovely horse to ride. You do not have to have the fantastic superstar, which costs a lot of money. Horses are not cheap. You can still enjoy the journey, even with a cheaper horse, if your aspiration is, I'm starting at A and I want to finish at Z and I want to have learned so much and have such a harmony with my horse that I can actually ride everything in harmony, really. And that that's the great thing. Uh, when I was young, I thought you need the horse, you need the special horse, you need the fantastic horse. Now I realize, you no, know, what you need is to build up skills that makes you able to train any horse to be nice to ride. Yeah, 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 for sure. If you think, um, you know, if you're going out to teach people to go to do a clinic, things like that, what's a common fault that you see with riders and trainers and how they go with their horses? Look, I won't 
won't comment, comment too much on other trainers because I find, uh, you know, criticism is always very easy. Um, and, and horse riding is a very intricate sport. Like we just said, the horse personality, the rider's personality, the rider's ability, the horse's ability. So I think every instructor is definitely trying to do something good. But like you said, you need to find the person that reaches you. So when someone reaches to me, um, I definitely give them every little bit of my knowledge to try to make them understand that they don't need to win at competition tomorrow. What is important is the journey, and the journey is fantastic. It's worthwhile taking the time to live the journey of training before you have big dreams. You know, it would be good if I could go 30 years back. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't we all wish that? <laughs> yes, with the yeah. knowledge I've got today. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 look, the main fault I think of a lot of riders is the fault that I had when I was inexperienced. Is that we have the rain that we pull and we have the legs that we kick, but we don't really understand the harmony that needs to come in between the connection of the horse's power, which is the hindquarter, the balance, which is the horse capable of actually carrying himself, and, uh, and the balance of the rider. So the main fault I find very often are the way the riders sit, the way they try to help their sitting by holding the reins too much than complaining that the horse is heavy. Things like that, you know, which I'm sure that most instructors uh, would say the same. Um, so it, it's very important, and, and unfortunately some people have a hard time with that, but people come to me and I might spend the first lesson talking about the position. And people get sometimes a bit upset because they're riding, let's say they ride medium at competition and they come to me and and I'm doing circle left and circle right and transition and, and talking about their seat and the way their upper body is and the way they hold their hands, etc. And they want to do half-pass flying change and God knows what. Yes. <laughs> which which is exactly who I was. So again, it is not a critic. It's human. We're all humans. Mm. Uh, and, but when you manage to get the message true, when they actually start to understand when they sit like that, when they stop pulling at the horse, when they use their legs properly, then things start to happen and they start to feel and that's what is amazing because the smile on their face when they can start feeling is the best gift, you know? Yes, it, yes. It's wonderful. And to see the horse happy and using himself in a better way is, is just fabulous. Is, is a really a big reward when you teach. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Manu, if you got a book that you could recommend? Look, I haven't read that many books, to be totally honest. I've watched a lot of video and I've watched a lot and I've listened to a lot of clinics and judges and God knows what. I did read the Harry Bolt book that is very hard to find in English. Uh, is the Bible of dressage most um, people in Europe would call it, because it explains really well uh, the importance of 
the position of the rider, how it influenced the horse's movement, how the horse actually functions underneath you, the way the spine uh, moves, um, the way the hindquarter bends. He explains that very, very well. And, you know, it's a book that probably has been written, oh, I would say probably 30 years ago, if not more than that. But the picture in the book, everything about the book is very, very, very well explained. Otherwise, Ingrid Klimker has made amazing yes. videos. She explains all that really, really well, too. I think there is a lot of really good uh, things to watch. And I would, I would definitely say to everybody, any type of information you can get, listen. And, yep. and you make your own mind. You take what you want to take. But you always have something to learn from, from you know, someone that has experience with horses. The other thing is, too, we'll try and find that Harry Bolt book in English and put a link up on the website. So hopefully we can do that. Yeah. Manuel, yeah, it, it is. A, it's it's, it's very the good Bible book. of Black mm, yeah, 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 yeah. What are you looking forward to now? You've got your second horse. You've got your young horse coming on. Okay. So my Grand Prix horse, he has soundness issues. So I ride him. I compete him a little bit, but I've got to really manage him uh, properly. He's mm-hmm. 16 years old too. Yep. So with him, it's more about, in, like I said to you, it's my Ferrari. I just love him to be. And so my goal with him is mainly to ride him as long as I can and improve him the way I can with this uh, problem. Mm-hmm. And with the young horse, um, I don't really have a, a strong plan, but it's, you know, it's all about the training. And then if one day I feel, yep, she's um, she's now really performing well at home, uh, I might take her out again too. But like I said, financially, everything has to, um, you know, I'm a single mother, uh, so you have a child to look after too. So horses are very important, but they can't take over that part of my life, being a mother and being responsible for my son. So um, having no family in Australia uh, has made it a lot hard also to just focus on the one passion. So I ride every day, two horses, three horses, and that's really good. And uh, if I can keep doing like that for as long as possible, I'll be happy. I don't have... (laughs) Big dreams anymore. Whatever mm-hmm. comes my way, I'll be happy with. Good, good. Menu, can you summarize your philosophy with horses? I would say that the philosophy with horses is uh, to remember that we are the humans. We are the one that want to utilize them for our own pleasure. Uh, and so in that sense, we have a responsibility towards them, which is good care, uh, listening to them, uh, pay attention because horses are not naughty for no reason. It's a bit like children. There is always something behind it. It could be that something hurts. It could be that, you know, they are not happy uh, where they are, or it could be many things. So it's very important uh, as a rider to stay open mind and not go, ah, he doesn't want to work, he's lazy. Go a bit further than that. Try to be using your brain a lot. Question yourself. Find answers that that suits the horse. Um, I find that ego is the biggest um, enemy of learning. If you think you're that good, then you never really believe that you've got to keep learning. 
And I think the key to become a good writer is to stay open, stay small, and always want to learn more. No matter where you are at, no matter if you are gold medalist, you still have lots to learn. You can still improve. You can still get better. And so, yeah, put the ego a little bit aside when you ride. And that's not always easy. We all want to achieve things. Uh, and so I think that's the biggest lesson I have learned, mm-hmm. to learn to um, put your ego down a little bit. Think about the horse. Think about harmony. Think about think about what you really want out of riding. Is it winning or is it riding really correctly? And yep. that can go together, yep. but someone can be a winner and ride pretty poorly and mm-hmm. know that. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's your responsibility. What, what, what do you want? Yeah. And harmony, if you love horses, for me, it, it's compulsory, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Have for a sure. happy horse. For sure, yeah. for sure. Menu, how can people contact you? Um, look, um, they can contact me via email, uh, mm-hmm. which is my emmanueljoes at gmail.com, all in one word. Or they can contact my mobile, 041926, uh, sorry, 0419- <laughs> exactly, thank you very much. Okay. Um, I don't really have a website or anything like that, but anyone that wants to talk to me is more than welcome. I always have time, I'll answer questions, and I'm happy to chat if they want to contact me for any reason, really. Okay, and we'll have those details on our page too, which will be horsechats.com. And we'll just go Manu Joes, I think, which is M-A-N-U-J-O-S-Z or Z, or, or just go to the website and search for Manu, M-A-N-U, and you'll find the uh, the interview. And also too, you'll find the links to the books that Manu said and also her contact details. So they'll be on that page as well. Manu, you've certainly dropped some gems here. You know, there's lots of things here that I think, you know, I've sort of written down a couple of, lots of notes actually, you know, and I think if anyone else is listening to, they'll be able to, you know, write down some notes, come back, re-listen to the interview and get all that. So I think that's great, Manu, and we'd love to talk to you about some of these things in more detail at some time down the track as well. That'd be great. Sure, it will be my pleasure. Okay, thanks for talking to us. Bye. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 